Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry here with me today as well. Hope you had a great weekend. It's Thanksgiving week. If you're traveling, uh, be safe and um, have a great week. Enjoy your turkey day. We'll be back with you on Friday as well. But today we're going to discuss... Uh, I guess what was week 12 in college football, week 10, I suppose, in the SEC. I lose track, quite frankly. It's just such an odd year. And speaking of odd years, right before we got started, we were discussing what next week's schedule will look like. Hell of I know. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what prompted it was we were talking about there's a shakeup, Chris, uh, in this week's schedule. So Arkansas and Missouri was postponed. They were supposed to play on Saturday at 11 in Columbia. That game uh, not going to happen. Instead, Vanderbilt is going to go to Missouri. Uh, That game, 11 a.m. on the SEC Network, which means Tennessee and Vanderbilt. um, Maybe the best news the Vols have gotten in weeks. They're going to get a Saturday off to kind of (laughs) control searching so tennessee vanderbilt will get uh, moved until next sometime next month my guess is the 19th although i was just talking to someone um around the missouri program who said uh and i'm gonna pull it up so i can read it exactly he said missouri doesn't know when the arkansas game is going to be played uh they could play arkansas next week they could play georgia next week um could still play Mississippi State later. That, that game could get moved because I think they're supposed to play Mississippi State next week. Um, they, they're hoping to have more information at the end of the week. I think we all are. So I'll, I'll toss it to you here, Chris, by telling you that it's my fairly educated opinion that assuming that the other the games that are on the slate for this week get played, Vanderbilt at Missouri, Kentucky at Florida, Auburn at Alabama, Mississippi State at Ole Miss, LSU at Texas A&M, and Georgia at South Carolina. Assuming those games get played and assuming that Florida beats Kentucky and Alabama beats Auburn, I think you're going to see sometime Saturday, sometime Sunday, a major shuffle of games for next week as just in an attempt to uh, get it all in. Yeah, I know it's it's as clear as mud to everyone, but we are getting to the point now where just remind folks I need to be reminded. So I'm saying this for me more than most is we are next month, next week. So we get into it's going to be the fifth next Saturday, not this Saturday, a week from this Saturday. And then that it gives us basically starting that week, three weeks with the um, 
with the conference championship game on the 19th. And so that gives the 5th, it gives um, the 12th, and it gives the 19th for non-Alabama-Florida teams to maneuver. And this is assuming, and again, I'm making this assumption that Alabama-Florida takes care of business, and that's the two teams. But you're right, and because um, I had heard a little, like, I'm not quite sure when Vandy, Tennessee, for those that are wondering, I had heard that might be the 12th, and yet it could be the 19th. And I, I think you mentioned that uh, we're going to probably know after this weekend a little bit more. I think they'll they'll be able to figure out the rest of the schedules, uh, at least from that point on, and then obviously would have to make adjustments. And then, but we're we said last week uh, we're kind of running out of time to make adjustments. So hopefully, when they after this weekend, after everybody digests their turkey in the league office, they're going to have to get working on trying to figure out how this is going to play out because we're getting close to making it a, a definitive. Florida, Alabama, you know, we know that's looking like the way it's going to be, but until it's official, uh, the league can't do anything in terms of scheduling. But uh, then I think after that, Neil, it's it's no longer going to be – we're at the point where it's no longer going to be postponed. We'll hear about cancellations if it doesn't if it doesn't play out after that. Yeah, they, uh, they're running out of room, like you said, to get, to get – the magic number is 71. They want to get 71 games in. Um, the every 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 team plays ten games, and then you play a championship game, seventy one games. That's what they're trying to get to, and that is still on the table as of this moment, November the twenty fourth at nine oh five a.m. That's still a possibility, but they're, they don't have any more. They don't have much more margin for error. They, but it's certainly possible today they could because if the season were. If they did it today, they I don't think they'd have a full slate on the twelfth. They wouldn't have a full slate on the nineteenth. They'd have they'd have multiple games, but that's fine. Frankly, the networks don't mind. It's something I was going to ask you about later in the show, but I'll do it now. My anticipation is that the uh the TV ratings in early December are going to be good for college football games on Saturdays. Um and it makes me wonder if down the road some of the schools don't look at this schedule, look at the times, and say, you know what, this might be a better way to do some of this. <clears throat> well, might be know. it might be it might be advisable to back up the start of the season by a week, two weeks, get out of some of that just dramatic heat games that people play, get into the cooler weather, where frankly it's more. Uh, it's more pleasant for players. It's more pleasant for fans. It's more pleasant for everyone. I just kind of wonder if maybe this will one of the one of the very few positive things that will come out of 2020 will be from a college football standpoint. They'll look at it and go, maybe we start too early and finish too soon. Well, we know the SEC has always kind of had that uh, what I call mini buys, which is the cream puff games before the big games and bye weeks before, you know, strategically placed. So as long as it doesn't affect that, maybe. What I uh, did think about, if there is a positive into this weird season, is now that we've gotten to the point, normally Thanksgiving weekend is – my uh, favorite weekend of college football. I mean, it's it's the culmination. It's where a lot of things are on the line. This year, it's it's just weird, of course. 
but what it will do is will make for the month of December a lot better than it normally is. Because think about it. The month of December is one week of conference championship games, which are big, but it's one week. And then you've got Army-Navy, and then you've got bowl games that some people care about, most people don't. And you get into, unless it's a New Year's Day game, which almost New Year's Eve game, it's that's it for December. I mean, it's just there's not – now there's going to be – Lots of football, which um, goes to the point of what I've always said. And I know in college it's finals, middle of December, and all that kind of stuff. And it's complex for the semester schools anyway. But I do believe, and I don't want to go back and rehash last week's show, but I do believe getting it done to where you could make meaningful bowl games in all of December, where if you, I think December somehow should, some way, should be really really good it should be better it should be made with better bowl games is the way i think it should be but if it means moving it back uh interesting there is a long long gap as we know between the end of the season and the playoffs for the teams that are in the playoffs i mean a huge huge gap i mean almost to the point where you feel like you can get guys back, but you feel like you lose a lot of what your momentum is, and it's a challenge. But I do think college football administratively is so screwed up, and I think we do it all wrong. I think we take the month of December, which should be great for college football, and it's this build up to Thanksgiving weekend, and then it's like the air's out of the balloon, and then we got to go back and blow it up again. I just think we lose it. And I think, you know, that's why, you know, the NFL takes over. And I get it going up against the NFL playoffs. But you know what? I mean, we go through December and in, in the the, uh, the the weekend, the NFL, and, and we'll, we'll play some – we'll play usually one week of Saturday games. But that's because college football's kind of screwed, you know. They've just kind of screwed themselves up. And they allow college basketball – to kind of have these games, which are way too soon, in my opinion, college basketball should be a second semester sport in my mind. But anyway, I, I think the big thing this year, huh? It will be this year. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm talking regularly, yeah. and I just think that I think December should be a great month for college football. It's a okay month. I like the bowl games, unless you're like me and watch the bowl games that have no meaning towards who wins it or loses it in terms of the people involved and looking ahead to next year and looking at personnel and things like that, there's no level of excitement at all. And that's, that shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. So this year, you know, I don't know if it's going to make anybody look at anything differently. Neil, do, do you think it will make a change? Cause I don't get the sense that it will. I maybe think it should, but it probably should. It, it, it probably won't. People are so averse to change. Uh, People are, we're all creatures of habit and the habit is to start camp early August and play the Labor Day weekend. That's when you start and, you know, you have one open date, finish early and you have the championships. The first, that's what people are used to. So. Yeah. You know, and I, I'll, I'll say this and jump. I, I think that this is where. If you had better organ, if it wasn't like every conference for themselves, and we, we we care about our league and not anybody else, if we had better organization, I tell the NFL folks this all the time, and I know there's a direct TV issue, this, but the NFL should have a 20 week schedule, 
not a 20-week season, but they should have double buys, and you could have more games for more weeks. Yeah. And 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 you could you could have the season into February. College football with better organization could start it that Labor Day weekend and have the blowout bonanza and they could have it all the way through the middle of December whether they want to have it in like you're talking about with the schedule extending or in the way I feel bowl games in December, better bowl games that lead to hey that's let's have the bowls as let's take teams they finish their schedule. Now let's start to to have these matchups between teams in different parts of the country, and then let's pick our four teams after that. That's what I like to do. But regardless, if we could have September all the way through December leading to the, the January 1st, and it would be nonstop college football. And no, not everybody would be playing every week. You'd have multiple open dates, as they call them in college. And you could do that. You could maximize TV. You know, you'd have somebody that can oversee and say, hey, no, no, let's look. Hey, Pac-12, maybe, how about you do this? SEC, maybe you do this. And for the betterment of college football and for the betterment of the fan, the betterment of the sport, the betterment of TV, the the, the betterment of, of revenue generation, it would be a lot better because you could make more great weeks. And, oh, yeah, maybe maybe you'd have a week that might have a conference week off, or maybe every conference would play every week, but certain teams wouldn't. You could do that better, like, you know, open dates or buys in the NFL. I'm not trying to make college like the NFL, but in terms of organization and administration, it could learn an awful lot. We don't do everything right in the NFL, but it's 100% better than it is in college. And, you know, I'd like to see more organization to where we could have a better December. But we're going to have an interesting December this year, so that's the one positive. Going to have that for sure. Um, all right, let's talk about the games that got played last week on Saturday. There was a the only game that didn't get played was uh, Ole Miss and Texas A and M. That game I think is going to get played next weekend, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, the games that did get played, go over the scores real quick, and then we'll touch on these games. Alabama sixty three to three winner over Kentucky in Tuscaloosa. The Tide now seven and zero. Kentucky three and five. Florida went to Vanderbilt, uh, walked away with the three-touchdown win, 38-17. to The Commodores 0-7. The Gators still uh, hunting for a, a playoff spot. They're 6-1. and uh, Georgia held off a, uh, a valiant effort from Mississippi State. Georgia wins 31-24 to in Athens. The Bulldogs, the Georgia Bulldogs now 5-2, uh, and, two, and uh, Mississippi State's 2-5. and five. Auburn beats Tennessee. The, uh, the Tigers. Having a hard time reading that. Tigers now five and two. The Vols two and five. A lot to talk about uh, with with that game, and then probably the the most entertaining game of the day. It was a really good game to watch. Uh, LSU beats Arkansas twenty seven to twenty four in Fayetteville. The Tigers now three and three. The Razorbacks three and five uh, under first year coach Sam Pittman. And then uh, Missouri uh, went to South Carolina. Built a, a big lead and then held on to beat South Carolina 17 to 10. Eli Drinkwitz's team now three and three. South Carolina two and six, playing out the uh, the string under interim coach Mike Bobo. So I don't know where you want to start. We can pick your game and, and we'll we'll talk about it. Well, let's try to go in uh, Kentucky, Alabama. Um, yeah, well, we know Alabama's a lot better. Uh, what, what did the tape show and what did the game show watching it? 
explosive plays, Alabama finishing drives, Alabama, you know, I think quadrupled the amount of, uh, of explosive plays, you know, pass plays of 20 yards or more run plays of 10 yards or more. It, Kentucky can't finish drives, struggled on third down, Alabama, really good. It's you, you combine all that it's 63 to three, and it was just a complete total domination. And, you know, um, it's as simple as that. Um, Got to give a lot of credit for the fight of Vanderbilt. I don't mm-hmm. give them a lot of credit. I mean, it is so easy to think in this year and everything that's gone on that they just kind of show up, get their heads handed to them. I look at teams like Michigan and Penn State that look like they are quitting. They look like they have absolutely let go of the rope and are nowhere near it. And you got a team like Vanderbilt that that is not at all. Kudos to them. Good young quarterback. Played Florida with Florida. Still struggling on defense. Offense was gradually, you know, got into the game. Um, you know, uh, really ended up playing well. They didn't hit as many explosive plays. Uh, motivation, what have They just, they weren't as sharp, but they ended up being really good. Vanderbilt can't run the football. Um, but they threw the football pretty well. Um, I still worry about Florida's defense. Uh, and even, you know, against Vanderbilt, it showed up. I think one of the real stories of the week was the battle of the dogs, Georgia. Yeah. JT Daniels, they threw the football 38 times. Um, Mississippi State lined up played heavy boxes. They played eight and a half, sometimes nine and a I mean, they invited Georgia to throw it. And JT Daniels threw it, threw it pretty well. You see the passing game is still raw. JT Daniels was outstanding, better than I could have expected him to be in a game like that. Uh, and and the, the defensive front of Mississippi State's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, defensively, Georgia gave up a lot of plays. They're missing a lot of guys. But remember that they gave up yards. What Georgia did is played more zone than they normally do. Georgia defensively will bring a lot of tight man pressure. You don't do that against Mississippi State. So when people say, well, you know, they gave up all these yards, hey, that's not the point of it. They weren't going to let the explosive plays kill them. Mississippi State did. Now, the score was maybe a little bit closer and um, 31-24, but um, at least for Georgia, some positive signs there. Um, Auburn, Tennessee, my God, um, it is it is the narrative that just won't stop. Coming out of the third quarter for Tennessee, they're a disaster. They don't identify what's going well, and they don't identify what's going wrong and correct it. Um, I mean, in some areas watching the tape, you see signs, Neil, that Tennessee's every bit as good as Auburn. It's some facets of the game. They just, they do not max. They do not even come close to maximizing what they, um, you know, it's not that they're over town quarterback play brings them down tons of mistakes. They kill themselves. Um, you know, they just really struggle with the mistakes, the mental errors, the turnovers, and that's alarming for Tennessee. And Auburn just, you know, 
didn't like they made more plays, but they played smarter football in the end. I mean, it was it was as simple as that. I mean, it was just it was not a whole. I mean, Smoke Monday with the hundred plus yards interception return. Um, Auburn had a three score lead in this game, and you watch it and you think, how did it happen? Well, here's how it happened. Here's what Tennessee did. Here's what Tennessee did, and here's what Tennessee did. It was really, really mistake. So, um, Arkansas, very impressed with how well they played being down so many guys as they were. Uh, it was a very evenly game, a very evenly played game. Neither team ran it well enough. Neither team had enough explosive plays. Uh, some bad calls in the game. Uh, yeah, big time. Arkansas, yeah. man, Arkansas has been victimized this year by officials in, in ways that maybe no other team in the league has. And, um, I mean, if I'm them, I'm like, that's cool. I, I'll get the bad karma out of the way this year and and save up some – do some breaks next – a year from now if that's how it works with the football gods. But, like, the the hit on the, – the Catalan hit that resulted in his ejection, I, I thought that was just an egregious call. And when you hold it up under replay, I don't understand it. I, I, if If I'm – if I'm a fan, I'm I'm kind of livid about it. I'm like, I don't I don't understand how that's targeting. It just and if that is targeting, then you need to rewrite the rule and make that not targeting. Yeah, and I thought that well, first of all, Arkansas had a few big plays, mainly due to coverage breakdowns again by LSU. I mean, they got half the yardage came on a 65 yard play 51, and I think a couple of 50 yarders. That awful field position, and that was the difference in the game. I mean, it was just this is razor thin there. Wasn't really impressed with LSU other than the fact that they won. I mean, they found a way to win. And then Missouri, South Carolina was, I mean, not a very well played game at all. No explosive plays. Um, offensively, neither Missouri did not play well at all. Uh, but it was uh, the field position was the difference. Uh, the hidden yardage, Missouri won in Arkansas. Uh, I mean, excuse me, South Carolina was not able to overcome it. And, and, you know, so <clears throat> a mess there, but a uh, little bit disappointed that Missouri's not playing as well as they did for stretches. But uh, that's a that's kind of an overview as I saw it in um, looking at the games. Let's dive into Tennessee-Auburn a little bit, more from the Tennessee perspective. Auburn, look, Auburn's going to lose to to – Alabama and Auburn's going to lose to Texas A&M and Auburn's probably going to beat Mississippi State. They could beat A&M. I mean, that game's at Auburn and Auburn plays better at Jordan-Hare than it does away from Jordan-Hare. So who knows? But they are what they are. There's not, nothing's going to happen there. There's going to be the same disgruntled segment of the Auburn fan base and the others will be fine. Tennessee, on the other hand, now they get a, I think they get a, a bit of a break here, although keeping guys engaged when you're two and five heading into three weeks of, of football where you still have to play Florida and you still have to play Texas A&M. Is this thing salvageable at Tennessee? And we've talked about this. I mean, let's just for kicks and giggles, give them a win over Vanderbilt and the two losses to Florida and to A&M and make them a, what would that be? The three and seven season. This, what's what's the plan if, if you're Tennessee moving forward? Let's say that it doesn't include uh, firing Jeremy Pruitt. 
if you're Jeremy Pruitt, when this when this is over and you sit down, not not the recruiting portion of it, the organizational por- portion of it, the way your program looks and feels, is there is this fixable? Well, yes, it's fixable. Can Jeremy fix it? Is the question, and I don't know. Well, and I don't know. Honestly, I don't have a lot of confidence in Jeremy. He's going to get the chance to fix it, um, unless somebody, Big Jim, comes in and says, "I, you know, I'm I'm going to give all the money to change all of this, and this is what we, you know, and it comes from above." Philip, I mean, this is this is this is this is Philip on Philip Fulmer's hand, and Philip Fulmer's um, is kind of kind of put this together. So Jeremy, it's a, the answer to your question is he's going to have to fix it next year. I think next year at this time, if this is not, if this is more the same, no, obviously it kind of forces the hand. Um, look, what has to happen is they need to finish off recruiting to where they can hold on to the guys that they have. And there's going to be staff changes, more of them. And he's going to have to hit those right. And they're going to have to be better. That's been the biggest problem that he's had. And it's been a fundamental issue for why they've been so in, well, I would say consistent in their ineptitude in some areas. They've got to fix that. And it's always difficult, Neil, because look, you, you feel like you need to make those changes to correct it. But when you make changes, there's the lack of stability in a, in a kind of a growth curve that makes it difficult, but it's kind of the last lifeline before the head coach gets run. And so where does he make those changes? Does he make the right hires? Does he facilitate that? I don't think Jeremy's a good head coach. He certainly has not learned how to be a good head coach yet. What does that really mean? Well, what does it mean is that he doesn't know how to manage his staff. He doesn't know how to communicate. There's not a lot of mutual respect. And, you know, with that is that's a big problem. Head coaching issues are things that he struggled with and struggled with big time. It's not it's it's talk about the little things. I think it's the big things that lead to the problems of the little things being um, unearthed in a negative way for them. So I think it's I think it's a tough situation in Tennessee. And the answer. Yeah, yeah, it can be fixed. Yes, Kermit, th- does he know how to fix it? Does he hit it right? Who knows? Who knows? Look, I don't want to make the comparison because they're different personalities, but Ed Ogeron made some moves, and he hit it big last year, and it led to a fantastic year. That's not going to happen to where they're going to win a championship at Tennessee, but if he made some right moves and they turned it around and they won you know, nine games next year, eight, nine games, is that doable? Yeah, it's doable with the right moves. It's not like the program is awful. It's not like they're devoid of talent. As I said, they matched up pretty well talent-wise in some areas against an Auburn and against other teams that they play. Got to get somebody in. They've got to fix the quarterback position. They've got to develop a young guy. There's a lot of got-to-dos, and I don't know if he's going to hit it right. I mean, I would question it, but that's what has to happen. Yeah, I look at Tennessee, and I'm doing a show tomorrow in, in Knoxville. I've been asked to be a guest because they're campaigning for Hugh Freeze, and they know I covered Hugh Freeze and uh, all of that. And and so they, they want to talk about the whole Hugh Freeze experience, which to me, Hugh Freeze is high risk, 
He's high reward. I question whether he can put an SEC staff together. He's never done it before. I question whether he can stop perusing Twitter, looking for his name, and responding to random people. He did it just last week, so my gut feeling is no. Um, he's a good offensive coach. He gets a lot out of quarterbacks. Um, there's well, first of all, Neil, who's, who's going to hire? Who's going to hire him? Because well, it's not going to be Philip Fulmer. Not Phil Fulmer. That's that's well. That's why it. Look, you know, we, we talked about Hugh Freeze at South Carolina, and the deal was, well, Ray Tanner's not going to do it, and Ray Tanner is not going to do it. Um, if it's Phil Fulmer, Phil Fulmer's not hiring uh, Hugh Freeze. Phil Fulmer's going to hire a Phil Fulmer kind of guy, which is another Jeremy Pruitt, which is, what's the point? Yeah, so the path to Hugh Freeze going to South Carolina is, well, Ray Tanner wasn't going to, be involved in the hire. Well, he is. So the answer to Hugh Freeze for the conversation to even get off the ground is that Philip Fulmer is gone. That 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 they somebody makes Philip Fulmer is gone. They fire with him. I, I don't I don't think they're going to do that after giving Philip a two year extension and giving Jeremy. And it just it doesn't seem like. And I realize that was done before this season. Both of them, by yeah. the way. Yeah. But, you know, somebody has to come in from outside and say, okay, the check stopped coming in unless you do this. And, you know, it's going to be from – and I'm not saying that can't happen, Neil, but that's what has to happen. I'm, I'm explaining to so our listeners what has to happen because Philip Former is not doing it. Let's get got a couple of really good questions in our, in our uh, chat thread, and thanks to all of you for being there. Jay Skipworth says, is this a situation like when Brian Kelly went 4-8 and eight at Notre Dame? He adjusted, and look at them now. And Brian Kelly's a heck of a coach. Is there is there a scenario where you see, you see Tennessee, uh, Pruitt, learn from this, make the kind of adjustments that Kelly's made and, and put his stamp on the program? Well, situations similar. I mean, they're different, but this particular situation similar. Yeah. It, it, it's no different than any coach that gets into a jam and he knows how to fix it. Brian knows how to fix it. Jeremy hasn't shown an ability to fix it. The difference is, is Brian had complete control of his staff. Brian knew how his offense wanted to look and how to get it there. He also has been really good at hiring good coaches. I mean, whether it's Clark Lee now, Mike Elko before, he understands how to, you know, so Brian has a different skill set as a head coach. He's very good. He's very proven. He was proven at Cincinnati. He did it well. I know Brian back from Grand Valley State, Central Michigan after that. Brian's had a history, a long history of knowing how to fix it, knowing how to be a head coach. Jeremy Pruitt is learning on the job. He's not three years into being a head coach yet. It's a huge difference. And so doing head coach type things are things that Brian had a lot of experience at a lot of different levels doing that Jeremy does. So I think it's going to take a lot of good fortune for him to hit it. Speaking of good fortune, Spartan Barton wants to know, are there any big name quarterbacks expected in the transfer portal that Tennessee might be able to capitalize? Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Uh, the ability to be able to understand what the passing game needs to look like and hiring the right guy to develop it's the key. Sure, you can go and find your version of a Derek King, but can you bring a a Rhett Lashley in 
to be able to maximize that. And if you're that quarterback, you, you got to think long and hard before you run off to, to Knoxville. You, 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 you have to look at it as if here's a chance to go and be a difference, but you have to be sold. First of all, it's not the quarterback. I mean, it is the quarterback play, but what I'm saying, what has to come first is why are you, you want to go there? So it has to be, who are they going to bring in to fix the offense? And, and so who are you, that's where the quarterback's going to say, I'm going to go to Tennessee and I'm going to be the guy to fix it. Okay. Well, you know, look, they went at LSU and got Joe Burrow when LSU had no history with quarterbacks and doing a very good job with, but they were able to sell that and they were able to been now they didn't bring in Joe Brady to the second year. They brought in Joe Burrow before that. So I think you can sell it, but you have to sell it. Look, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, and I, I'm thinking it maybe is going to change, but it's one of the reasons why Georgia's had a little bit of an issue of, oh, they've gotten guys, they've recruited quarterbacks, but they haven't been able to hold on to them because it's like, do I want to stay here? Is this how I want to be developed? This is not the offense I want to be developed. So you've got to bring in that guy. That guy will then be able to help sell whoever that transfer quarterback du jour is. They've got a couple of young guys that have some ability there. So, but you've got to do that first. Spartan Barton also has another question since before we get into this week's SEC slate and talk about the games. We talked about Hugh Freeze. He said it's not SEC related, but any chance Hugh Freeze goes to Texas? I, no. You know more no. about Texas. I can't imagine. No. Hugh Freeze not going to Texas, not going to Michigan. Uh, and and let, me, let me say this. Those schools are not going to hire him. Mm-mm. Okay, Texas is not going to hire him. Michigan's not going to hire him. Here's the not going to hire someone. Okay, truth, Chris. Hugh Freeze would not be able to handle the media. No, no, and well, and you know, to be honest with you, I mean, the media is the it's it's more of the kind of the fit of the alumni base, and you know, there's a lot of that snootiness at Texas, at Michigan, that somebody that talks like Hugh Freeze and has the baggage that Hugh Freeze has. Look at Michigan, it's like we are more important that we how we do things and you know the, football is not as important to the Michigan administration that it is to SEC schools. Let's just call right. it like and, and believe it or not, same thing for Texas. Texas considers themselves like the Cal Berkeley of Texas. I mean they, they you know, but they also expect to win championships. No, no, they, they think Texas thinks that they can go and uh, convince Bill Belichick to leave, you know, or Nick Saban to come. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, they're not going to, but no, that, that's not a candidate. And, um, and I know, uh, and by the way, we great comments, right. in in, in our, uh, comment section today and Jay and Spartan Martin, um, I, you know, I, there's just not – I think Hugh Freeze is a fit in the South, not because he talks Southern, but because I think there is a huge emphasis on winning and, you know, what we can embrace somebody has got an issue. I mean, let's call it like it is, and I'm not trying to be rude or anything. And this is a different era. Bear Bryant was an admitted drunk. I mean, he had an alcohol problem and went into alcohol rehab. I mean, he's – you know. There are things that in the South, in today's world, it's different, Neil. 
but there's a lot of things they'll put up in the South if you can win. Because in the SEC, I'm talking about deep South. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech. Yeah. You, no, I can tell you they won't. That's not what they would do there. They're going to be patient with Justin Fuente. Um, and uh, it, it, I know geographically, because you're right there in Virginia, that's not the type of hire that Jim and the rest of that administration at Virginia Tech. No, they, they're very kind of conservative. So, no, I think it has to be a right fit for you. I think that – I think use a really good fit in the South, but not everybody in the, in the SEC appears to be, like, excited about having to deal with it. You know, uh, you know, there's it's it's not even the baggage and we'll get off freeze. It's not even the baggage. It's not that stuff. It's just there's just stuff that comes with him that you have to be willing to accept as a program. You have to be willing to understand that there's going to be all these. The program is going to be all about him. It is. Everything about his program is all about him. He. I don't know whether he intends to make it that way, but it just becomes that way. And that's not all good. It's, 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 he's a good coach. He won at Ole Miss. But it, here's the problem, and I've said this before, and I'll do this about Ole Miss and because I, I covered it, Chris. And some of it was NCAA-related, and some of it was recruiting-related. Hugh Freeze – at the end of 2016, the product that he put on the field was abysmal. His product that took the field in 2017 was not good. That roster was his roster. Matt Luke coached it, but that was his roster, and it was not a good roster. It was good on the offensive side, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Dawson Knox, Jordan Te'amu. Uh, they, they had players on offense. On defense, they didn't. And that was a fairly common theme in the last several years of the Hugh Freeze tenure at Ole Miss. And it's something that you would have to address if you were hiring him at South Carolina or Tennessee or wherever the case may be. You'd have to have that conversation beyond the, hey, did you go have a drink at Funky's? Yeah, he did. So what? Lots of people have drinks at Funky's. Now, why you felt the need to tell ESPN on game day, oh, the worst thing I ever do is every so often I'll take a dip. Come on. He said he didn't cuss. Players are like, hey, the hell he didn't. Of course he cussed. But everybody cusses. Who cares? All that's that's what I mean. All of that stuff can go away. The stuff about even the escort thing and the massage stuff in Florida. I mean, lots of people have have foibles. Uh, you know, lots of people have make have personal things in their personal lives that uh, you know, they they regret or that they they wish hadn't happened or whatever. Uh, you know, my, my friend JG Tate says that you should always leave room for redemption. And he's right. Lot, lots of people make mistakes and, and move on from those mistakes and don't repeat those mistakes. That, that, that happens frequently in all walks of life, and you, including football coaches. But the product that he put on the field, if you're going to be honest about it, and that's what people don't do, because people do this thing with Ole Miss, like, well, I mean, he won bigger at Ole Miss than anybody else could, so look at that. But, man, they, they were an inconsistent Sustainability. Team. Yeah. Sustainability, he, it was a little bit flash in a pan, and you can question the, the sustainability, and that's what he has to. And I think a lot of it, though, even is, if is the, fact, the fact that he's doing it at Liberty. 
Yeah. And I, the fact that he's beating people that that with with no real talent and he's beating people in the ACC. That's he's yeah. hot now, and then they're they're forgetting it. Let me say this though. I can tell you that at South Carolina, you know, their biggest they don't want, they are very the backlash, because there are a lot of people that think that Hugh Free shouldn't get that chance or whatever, regardless of what you think. They are very concerned at some places about Hugh Freeze. About I mean, that again, before it even gives, gets into the football evaluation at South Carolina or in any place where we talk about Michigan Tech, it's already he's already off the board. And that is because of what the public perception is going to be if they hire him. And there's going to be – it's going to move the needle. Good or bad, it's going to move the needle. That is the reason. Um, I think this. I I think that. I think he's really exceptional offensive mind and can get more out of less. I do think there is a lot of rough edges in the football department with him that would need to be fortified. And I think at some places could be fortified, but he's, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to say, you come here, we're going to do things a little differently. And if you want to, you know, be your guy, you, you have to be, be able to have sustainability and recruiting. And this is how we're going to do it. And I think in the right situation, you can put together a really good staff and put things uh, look, but I think there's risk associated with you from a football standpoint and definitely lays some off the field risk in terms of the backlash that you're going to get. No doubt. And the stuff that if he gets back in the SEC, a lot of the stuff that has gone kind of under wraps over the last several years starts to kind of get unwrapped depending on what it looks like in recruiting. And, you know, I mean, I just, I'll be surprised if an SEC program makes that move today. That that's well. That's think cool. about it. We don't really have the openings in the SEC. I mean, I, we've just talked about South Carolina, and that's not going to happen. Vanderbilt uh, is going to open. I don't think. I don't think that's a fit for him or for them. Um, no, and no. I don't. I don't know. You know, maybe it's an opening. Maybe it's. I. I you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that they're going to. <laughs> I'm. Well, I'm more interested in what is Vanderbilt going to do and who they're going to hire, unless they. They get that, but I don't. I don't see that. I don't see an opening, and so. Um, but no, I think there's some absolute valid points about Hugh Freeze that he's not the slam dunk. Look, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm a, not a big believer in that. Oh, Luke Fickle, uh, got to be Midwest. Oh, this guy's got to be. I, I I think that is so overrated. I deal with that. That is that is such a I got that so much with Nick Saban and LSU, and I'm like, you, you know, Midwest guy doesn't know the SEC. That that's so overrated. Good football coaches, guys that are good recruiters, good relationship builders. If you're a great recruiter in Florida, you can be a great recruiter in Texas about relationships. To me, the home run guys that I would look at any place. Uh, Tom Allen at Indiana, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, big time programs. I would go now. 
I'm not, I don't think South Carolina, you know, is going to get, would get either one of those guys. Um, but if I were Tennessee, you know, in a year from now, depending on what's there, I'd, I'd look at a guy like Tom Allen, who, by the way, has a background, worked for you freeze at Lambeth and at Ole Miss. Yep. Twice. And has a lot of connections in the South, a lot of connections in Florida. Actually worked for Willie Taggart at South Florida. Uh, but a really, really good coach. So, I mean, look, I, I I think there's a lot of directions it could go. All right, we'll talk about the week that is to come in the SEC in just a minute. First, I want to tell you this podcast is also brought to you by Jupiter Security Services based in Madison, Mississippi. Jupiter Security Systems provides your business with the help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offers businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email and spam protection, and they monitor your uh, workstations and servers. They don't see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. Jupiter can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location, so don't spend money on getting your employees new laptops to work remotely. Instead, let Jupiter monitor their home computers and protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Systems offers cybersecurity and monitoring. It's ADT for your computer systems and data. It's very affordable, flat price, no hidden add-ons. For more information, call Eric at 601-519-9583 or email info, I-N-F-O, at jupitersecurity.net or visit jupitersecurity.net. Also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From services to products, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh, and they always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and at Blue Sky, they want to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. All right. So- hey, hey, Neil, real, real quick, before we go, let me answer a couple of questions here before we get, because really some good questions. I'm trying to answer them online. And All right. Um, uh, for Wichet King of South Carolina doesn't hire freeze. Who's the next head coach, uh, Brian, uh, Brian, I've, and I've answered it there, you know, Billy Napier, Shane Beamer are the, are the guys that they're, they're strongest on right now. Jig's dad, 44, really good Syracuse fan and Giants fan. Um, so you can send uh, you freeze to one of those liberal schools like Syracuse. Hey, you know, why not? That would be a good fit. And what are, let's see, Drevin 09. What are the advantages of the pistol offense? Seem Georgia ran some of the formation. The advantage of the pistol, it's it's a shorter version of the shotgun, and it brings the downhill run game in a little bit more. That eliminates it basically from a shotgun, and obviously the downhill run is a big part of what Georgia runs. So it allows you to run that, and we've seen that uh, more and more. So really good, um, really good comments and questions. Appreciate all the the contributions there. All right, so let's talk about the games this week. Um, we've got Kentucky at Florida, Vanderbilt at Missouri, Auburn at Alabama, the uh, Iron Bowl, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, and the Egg Bowl in Oxford. LSU is at Texas A&M, another big rivalry game, and then uh, Georgia, South Carolina. Let's talk about the two games that have 
championship implications off the top. When I mean championship, I mean SEC championship. Florida and Kentucky, the Gators, pretty much wrap things up from their perspective, at least get a lot closer to it by beating Kentucky. Is there a scenario where Kentucky beats Florida? There's really not, is there? No, uh, although Kentucky's played Florida well in the past, and I will say this, you know, Florida doesn't step up on defense. You know, Kentucky can control the football and maybe limit the possessions and maybe make this game a little bit more hairy than uh, than than should be. And I think we saw that a little bit with Vanderbilt playing pretty well for a quarter uh, and then some against Florida. So I think anytime you have a defense that's really struggling as much as Florida's is, uh, I would not rule out Kentucky. The problem is, even though um, Florida's struggling on defense, Kentucky, uh, they'll play a lot of zone. They'll play a lot of too deep, um, maybe some cover three, and try to prevent the big play. Look, if they can somehow create some turnovers, I could see that game. I could create a scenario where it could be a little bit closer, but I just – think in the end Florida is too explosive and will probably win double digits. Uh, all right. The other one, of course, the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn, 230 on CBS. Boy, Alabama looks good. I mean, they really do. Offensively, they are a juggernaut right now, Without even without Jalen Waddell. Um, Auburn's played okay. Had a, had a nice performance against Tennessee, but a little too much to, to bite off here going to Tuscaloosa, right, for the Tigers? Yeah, I, defensively, they don't match up. I think they'll give up a lot of points, and I just don't. Alabama starting to play good situational defense. People will say, well, but, you know, Kentucky, you know, move the football on. Remember, defenses are defined. Good defenses are defined differently. And this, this Alabama team is not built around their defense, but they're starting to play very well. They're leveraging the run better. Um, they're breaking on the ball better. They, they're limiting the big plays. They're playing good red zone defense. Three points Kentucky scored. Three points. Uh, it couldn't get it done. I, I, I think, obviously, that um, Auburn will have a little bit more success offensively. I don't think a lot. I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think they'll confuse Bo Nix. I think they'll uh, they'll be able to take away the run. Tough to run on Alabama. I, I, I I don't see this game being close. Uh, and, and while I thought Alabama would win the two games against Auburn, that Auburn upset Alabama in recent years, I could see a path because of some of the problems that Alabama's having. I don't see the problems at Alabama. The, they, they don't have the real big injury issues. I mean, Waddle's tough, you know, to, to lose a guy like that. But, you know, quarterbacks playing well, got receivers that can run the football. I I see this as a a big win for Alabama. Yeah, I do too. I, listen, I I've watched Ohio State now. I've watched Clemson. Um, I've watched Notre Dame. I haven't watched Oregon. So maybe they're maybe they're they're, not. I have. They're not. I don't think there's a team that's out there that's better than Alabama. And I know I'm not some at the rankings. I just mean literally the better team. I just think Alabama can outscore everybody, and they're good enough on defense to hold serve enough times to to blow a game open. I, I've watched yeah. Ohio State. I think Alabama beats Ohio State double digits. I think Alabama beats Clemson double digits. I, I think Alabama's going to win the championship. 
Well, Alabama's better in the secondary, playing better in the secondary than uh, Clemson or Ohio State by comparison. Um, I think when healthy, which they're not right now, Notre Dame at the line of scrimmage is comparable, but Alabama's better. They certainly don't have the explosive playmaking ability. Um, and I agree with you. I think Alabama is the favorite. And I think Clemson is a team that we have to watch and see how much better they get. I think that's one of the reasons why Dabble had another temper tantrum this weekend. I know it was frustrating, but I think the the story behind the story was that, you know, Clemson is the ultimate development through the course of the year team. They get quite a bit better by years in and they haven't, you know, some of the games like not having a Florida state game last week is where they really get a lot of young guys ready. And I, I think that they, they're they not quite on pace like they normally are. They're still good. Still, I think they're probably going to beat Notre Dame again. Excuse me, probably going to beat Notre Dame the second time. But I agree with you. I think Alabama is the best team in the country. They certainly look the best on film right now. All right. The other game that has uh, potentially some, some title ramifications more in the national realm is LSU at Texas A&M. The Aggies 5-1 and one right now. If they run the table and and uh, beat LSU and beat Ole Miss and beat who do they have left Auburn and um, who's A and M have left Auburn and um, Auburn LSU Ole Miss and I guess that's it. That's uh, yeah, that's it. That is it. Yeah, Auburn LSU so Ole Miss. Uh, no, they're I miss Tennessee. Tennessee. So if they win those four games, they'll be nine and one. They would be in the conversation, certainly, as the as the fourth slot. Um, LSU comes to town. You, you talked about LSU and Arkansas a little bit. I do like Finley. Uh, he's he's getting better as a as a young quarterback. Actually, made enough plays for LSU to pull that off on on Saturday. This is a tough task though, going to College Station. I, I would I would think Texas A and M, Texas A and M, about a two touchdown favorite in this game, and that feels about right. Yeah, and I mentioned I wasn't overly impressed with LSU. One thing I was impressed with, their third down defense was improved. Um, I just think it's a tough matchup. A&M's just, they look better. And I, I say they, they looked better. It's like I have to trigger my memory. It's been a while since I've seen them play. Um, even if there's some rust, I, I think their ability to run the football, I think their ability to make some plays outside the pocket, I, I think a and better. I mean, I just I think they're a better team. I think they're better coached. I think they've got more things going for them. LSU's still trying to find themselves. I mean, you mentioned the young quarterback playing a lot of backs. The line is not as good as it was last year, and they're not as good anywhere. Defensively is where LSU's been a huge disappointment. There's more talent on that defense than there are performing, and – Look, I just I keep waiting for them to get better, and I just haven't seen it. I, I think AM wins. I, you know, this has the potential to be like the Auburn LSU game. Ooh. I'll tell it you, Chris, LSU's defensively, you know, Felipe Franks lit them up a good bit. As you mentioned, they've now got uh, Kellen Mond. Uh, they've got um, Mac Jones at Alabama. They've got to face uh, Matt Corral at Ole Miss. Mm hmm. And I guess that's that's it. No, they got one more. Uh, somebody, I, I'm losing track. They, um, you mentioned well, they got to play Kyle Trask, so they've got they've yeah, got Florida. You mentioned Alabama, Florida, A and M, and Ole Miss. 
So they might have the best four quarterbacks in the league staring at them over these next four weeks. That secondary mm-hmm. either gets better or it gets. Well, yeah, I, and, yeah, and and there, there's some talent there, but they don't. You can really cross them up at the line of scrimmage. Um, they don't check off very well. I mean, they don't adjust to different raw concepts. I just, I just think that Jimbo does such. A, I think, I think it's a mismatch. Jimbo and Bo Pelini, I, I just see that as a mismatch. And I don't know how sharp A&M is going to be, layoff and whatnot. So that may prevent that game from being quite the blowout that Auburn was. But I think it has the potential for it. I, I do. Uh, Vanderbilt at Missouri in a game that got thrown together yesterday. When a game gets thrown together like this, is it harder to prepare for it? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have as much time, you know. And, I, I, you know, if you're smart and you're looking at, Everybody, you've done a little preliminary work. Your analysts have done preliminary work on everybody. So you just have to, you know, you just have to take that information and you have to start imparting it a little quicker. It is definitely adjustment. So what you try to do is focus more on you and what you can do well. And what you try to do, Neil, is you try to look at things that are similar to the way that another team that you've already played plays it. And you can kind of piggyback off of a game plan that you've already had because the toughest thing is to impart what you're going to do with your players in a short week in an adjustment moment. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a challenge here. No question. Egg bowl in Oxford, uh, three o'clock on Saturday, Mississippi state, after that performance against Georgia, they come in to play an Ole Miss team that is more rested probably than it wanted to be Lane Yeah. The- Lane Kiffin said he would have loved to have kept playing, especially on offense, the way that they were clicking. Um, obviously, State's going to try to <laughs> drop eight. They're going to do that. I think they may have found something offensively a little bit in terms of, hey, everyone's going to drop off of them. And, and now they've got a young quarterback that's not trying to force it. A lot of dump offs and making plays in the open field, which is sort of their, uh, their the Mike Leach M.O., how do you look at this game early? We'll, and we'll dive into it a lot on, on Friday, but looking at it today, what do you see? Well, I'm really intrigued from a big picture standpoint. This is definitely one that I'm curious to see for how long these guys coach against one another. You know, there's always, it may not be the, the whole Dan Mullen, you know, that team up North, don't mention their names or, you know, you know, the whole, you know, say when Hugh being a Mississippi guy and, yeah. you know, that whole, it doesn't have two guys with a Mississippi background, but they absolutely winning this game means a lot and beating your rival means an awful lot to Lane and probably more than to, well, I mean, I shouldn't say more, but I mean, it, uh, uh, outwardly, it's really big for Lane and, you know, I, Mike can be kind of goofy to the point of, you know, it'll, it matters, but like, you know, he always, whenever he got beat and he got creamed by Washington every year and he always, his always line in the press conference is, well, you guys always rank them higher in recruiting. That was his comeback, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, so I, I don't know how that, but I, I, I just think that there's going to be, again, not that, both of these are going to want to beat the tar out of the other. But I, I just think Lane is going to 
really have something up his sleeve. I think he badly wants to win this. I mean, just for style points and ego. I mean, I, th- this game's this game's huge. And all right, you know, quote unquote, two offensive geniuses. I'll show you who's the genius type. I think that's more motivation for Lane. Whereas, you know. Hell, as we're doing this uh, show and we're wrapping it up at 10 a.m. Central, I, I'm not even sure Leach is in the office yet. So, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where I wonder. I just am very intrigued by this game, and I, I really like Ole Miss here. Um, and I think they'll have something really in store for that state defense. And then finally, Georgia and South Carolina. Um, South Carolina just – yeah, they're they're kind of like go oh, the rope. Guys have left. They're looking ahead. I mean, it's the bags are packed. Is this the NFL? We'd say the bags are packed. This is more about um, what Georgia looks like and what their passing game continues to grow and develop. And uh, it's about the future for Georgia. Is they're uh, they're going to need an awful lot of help and a big stumbling block to get back in the race. All right, great show, Chris. We'll uh, we'll get back together on Friday. We'll talk about these games in a little more detail. Also look at some stuff around the country, a team that I'm intrigued by all of a sudden, and that's Northwestern, which right now has the an undefeated record and the number one strength of schedule in the country. I'm curious to get your thoughts on can Northwestern turn into 2020's Cinderella. We'll talk about that on Friday. We'll talk about these games in the SEC. We'll uh, look ahead to potential schedule changes and all of those things, and we'll touch on basketball uh, the team I cover, Ole Miss, was scheduled to open their basketball season tomorrow. That's not happening. Instead, they've got a two-week hiatus because of COVID. Basketball's having a very hard time getting going. It gets going this week, but not the way that everyone thought it would. So we'll talk about all of those things and more on Friday on SEC Football and Beyond. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe, be careful, and we look forward to touching base with you again on Friday morning. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.